Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. What's the significance in crushing your plastic water bottle and listening to the teachings of a modern Latter-day prophet? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Aaron Shafawalif, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our look at a conference message that was given by a 70 in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a man by the name of Alan D. Haney. He gave a talk titled, A Living Prophet for the Latter Days. In yesterday's show, we related a modern parable, because that's exactly what Mr. Haney called it, an experience that he had when he visited the church cafeteria where employees can go, and naturally also leaders in the LDS church. He talks about how he goes into the cafeteria and he notices at one table is sitting the first presidency of the church. This would, of course, include Russell M. Nelson, Henry B. Eyring, and Dallin Oaks. And they invited him to sit down with them. And then during this time, Russell M. Nelson takes his plastic water bottle, sets it upright, and then crushes it down. The question came up, well, why did you do that? And this is when Russell M. Nelson explains why he did that, to make it easier for those who are handling recyclable materials. And then he says, I noticed to my right, President Oaks had flattened his plastic water bottle, just like President Nelson. And then I heard some noise to my left, and President Henry B. Eyring was flattening his plastic water bottle. Well, what's the significance? According to what he said, President Oaks tells Mr. Haney, he says with a smile, well, Alan, you need to follow the prophet. But the problem is, and we commented on the irony of this story, because it is taking place in a cafeteria, and there is an expression in Mormonism of what they call cafeteria obedience, or cafeteria Mormonism, where you get to pick and choose what you like and disregard what you don't like. The irony is not only does it take place in a cafeteria, but it seems like while Haney is condemning such an idea, he's actually affirming such an idea because in his talk, he makes it very clear that you are not supposed to take the words of dead prophets over the words of living prophets, which is very similar to what Ezra Taft Benson taught, the 13th president of the church, taught in 1980 in his 14 Fundamentals and Following the Prophet speech. So you can understand why this can sound very, very confusing to the average Latter-day Saint. Haney goes on to say, The rising generation is growing up in a time when there are more fig leaves and there is more heat. That reality imposes a weightier responsibility on the already risen generation, particularly when it comes to following prophetic counsel. When parents ignore the counsel of the living prophets, they not only lose the prolonged blessings for themselves, but even more tragically teach their children that what a prophet says is insignificant or that prophetic counsel can be picked through in a smorgasbord fashion without concern for the resulting spiritual malnutrition. That statement seems to be a little bit self-refuting or at least undermining the point that I think Haney's trying to make. He's criticizing parents who don't teach their kids to take the entire prophetic counsel, but just pick through it like a smorgasbord, or in this case, a 
cafeteria. But at the same time, Haney's also saying, don't go for what the past leaders have said when compared to what the current leaders are saying. So there has to be some kind of discrimination involved there. He's just trying to make it easy for the membership, I assume, by saying, ah, forget the dead guys. Yeah. See, I love the dead guys. I, I mean, when I speak in churches, I often cite a lot of the great leaders of the Christian faith, and they're time-tested. Yeah. We can go to them, and we can relish what they had to say, the wisdom that they gave us. And I would say the same should be true when we look at our past prophets, found primarily, let's say, in the Old Testament. It's interesting that we don't think the reformers or the early church fathers or the medieval scholastics are inerrant or infallible. But because of the low view that Latter-day Saints have of some of their historic prophets and apostles, we end up revering some of our uh, church fathers higher than their own prophets because their prophets have taught public blasphemy and heresy by their own standards. And yet they uh, they have such a low view of prophets that even true prophets in their view can make such horrible mistakes. I don't have so much a problem in principle with being told that I should not pit the teachings of ancient prophets versus later prophets. I, I personally think that all of the Bible is inerrant and it is harmonious and the doctrine of inerrancy forces me to take the patience, the time, the perseverance, to think through how Scripture fits together. And that ends up being beautifully fruitful for the Christian life, and inerrancy is a historic Christian doctrine. The problem is that Haney grounds this idea of not pitting one prophet against others, or really uh, the modern one against ancient ones. He grounds this in the idea that the older prophets aren't like a vintage comic book or car that increases in value over time. This is a very strange comment to Christians, and I'll tell you why. One, we understand the background here is that many Latter-day Saint prophets and apostles have taught public false doctrine that today the Mormon church rejects. So by their own standards, they've rejected some of their own historic teachings from the conference pulpit. But secondly, for Christians, the words of ancient prophets become sweeter to us over time. They're like a fine wine that ages well. For Christians, the prophetic counsel inspired of God put into words is like honey that for us tastes even sweeter as time progresses. Consider Jesus who on the road to Emmaus opens up the scriptures to his disciples and he shows them how the ancient scriptures were pointing to the Messiah, how they were pointing to the Christ figure to the Son of God. He helps them to see even more clearly how it all comes together. For Christians, this side of the cross, having the benefit of the clarity of the life and the death and the burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, this side of the cross, having the benefit of the, of the full revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, and having the indwelling Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are now able to revisit the Old Testament and as Christians more appreciate, better appreciate the fuller sense of scripture and the Christological significance of it. The clarity with which it pointed to Christ is even more sweeter to us now than it was for the original audience of 
the Old Testament. So for Christians, the word of God bears, it reflects the very attributes of God because God can't lie. His words are truthful because God has authority of himself and not of another because he's not uh, a domain-specific deity in a hierarchical polytheism as Mormonism teaches. Because God is the great I am, his words take on a special character. When Mormonism goes after the nature of the word of God, when Mormonism denigrates the words of dead prophets, when Mormonism denigrates the very nature of inspiration, it's doing so because it has a low view of the doctrine of God. Mormonism's polytheism and its lower view of deities, of these domain-specific regional, family tree, branch-specific deities, they, they have a mumbling problem. <laughs> a God that we believe in, who is the great I Am, the Trinitarian Most High God, his words last. They endure. They accomplish the purpose for which they were given. They don't return void. They're not like blades of grass. They're not like flower petals. They're not like spoiled milk, as we said. They're not like roof tiles that need to be replaced. They're more like the foundations of a house. Jesus says, if you hear his words and obey them, you'll be like a man who builds his house on a rock. Otherwise, you'll be like a man who builds your house on the sand. And Jesus quotes the Old Testament with such a high view that it really should challenge us. The word of God cannot be broken. And Jesus quotes the Old Testament to combat the temptations of Satan. So, this should be a rebuke to you if you are a Latter-day Saint. You should tell yourself, wow, I don't have as high a view of Scripture as Jesus did. And I don't have as high of a standard of evaluation and testing of alleged prophets as Christians and the Bible and Jesus or Moses did. I ought to hold them to a very high standard. You know, you hear people say you know, in Mormonism, the prophet will never lead us astray. But when you really dig underneath and you ask about these statements like Adam, God, and so forth, you essentially get, well, maybe the prophet can lead us astray, but he won't officially lead us astray. And they resort to some standard of officiality, what constitutes official doctrine. This whole game, this whole rigmarole of the, of the complexity of having to define what's binding and official, what lasts, uh, what's more like a vintage car, Oh my goodness, the mess of the refrigerator of historic Mormon doctrine is full of moldy, old leftovers that they don't want to eat anymore. And yet they want to esteem the prophets and the words that they had. This is a mess. You don't need to suffer that mess. If you would reject Mormonism and become a born-again Christian who trusts in the word of God, this is a sweet refuge and a rock in a place of uh, comfort and reliability. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't pass away. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are full of the spirit and of life. Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. This is much more of a rock to stand on for your family, for your kids, your, your future grandkids. You are building your life on a sandy foundation. If you have to keep putting up with and making excuses for the thorns and thistles of historic Latter-day Saint prophets and apostles. Let me close with this because towards the end of his talk, Mr. Haney goes on to say that we cannot be a source of confusion 
about the importance of following prophetic counsel. Yet I think he is a source of confusion. If he's just going to merely say, well, we go by the living, we forget all the past. Remember, many times they bolster that statement by quoting leaders of the past. They do it all the time. If you look at their manuals, they're continually talking about past leaders. In fact, they had a series called Teachings of the Presidents of the Church, which each manual was full of quotations from those leaders. So then he goes on to say, Our seemingly small deviations, quiet neglect, or whispered criticisms in response to prophetic counsel may result in our only walking dangerously near the edge of the covenant path. But yet, he is counseling his people at this time that they probably should be engaged in these whispered criticisms. And not only the whispered criticisms, but I would say the boisterous criticisms of what past leaders have said, to reject them and not include those in your doctrinal arsenal or library. And then he goes on to say, some of you may feel you have fallen short in your efforts to follow the counsel of President Russell M. Nelson. If that is the case, then repent. Interesting. The same thing that Bruce McConkie said when people were challenging him and other leaders regarding the reasons why blacks should not hold the priesthood. That is no longer relevant today. It makes me wonder how long Nelson's comments are going to be relevant as time goes on. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.